Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday on Fantasy NBA Today. We are uh, not really holding the fantasy. This is sort of a uh, easy on the fantasy day. I'm going to continue to use this food metaphor when I introduce every show. That's just that's just how it is at this point, so you guys are going to have to deal with it. Uh, I'm Dan Basbris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or search for Dan from Hoopball if you want to try to follow me on Twitter. That's the best way to get in touch with me. I'm attempting to stay as glued to the news as humanly possible, although I have to admit, sometimes the news can make your gut hurt a little bit. The um, couple little pieces of news before we dive into our actual stuff happening today, which the stuff today is a visit from our good buddy and my possible cousin, Josh Millman. Uh, he'll be coming up in about three, four minutes, I think, something like that. What time is it now? About five minutes keep extending it by one minute and Josh and I are going to be breaking down the Eastern Conference and really just sort of what to expect from these teams going forward less the way uh, that we've been doing it on the show lately you know the last eight episodes leading up to today we broke down each conference team by team in terms of what they did this last year and what that means for them going forward this chat with Josh is going to be really more about the expectations of the team how can they improve how what direction is the team going this is also relevant as you make your fantasy selections, but, you know, Josh and I are going to get off into the weeds a little bit, as we usually do. News, however, is that there were a couple of coaching hires. We didn't mention that the Pacers hired uh, Nate Bjorkren. I think I'm getting that wrong. <laughs> I'm actually not entirely certain. Uh, he has coached in the, the G League. I actually think he coached in Bakersfield, which is kind of an interesting twist. So, you know, maybe I'll hit him up and see what he thinks about Oildale. Um the thought there is that he will be a bit more creative offensively with the Pacers. Although, again, I don't fully understand the Nate McMillan firing. I know that they they wanted more creativity, but at the same time, he had those guys busting it. And with Demonis Sabonis missing the bubble and Oladipo missing almost the entire season and never really being healthy, I, I don't know what the crazy expectations were for that team. And he was extended right before he was let go, but whatever. Uh, little word on Demonis Sabonis. Apparently, he's undecided about playing for the, uh, I believe it's the, the Lithuanian national team, although I'll double-check on that, make sure I get my countries right. Um, yeah, it is It is the Lithuanian national team. And then, by the way, Sabonis still only 24 years old. That surprised me. I thought he was older than that because... Uh, he was he was picked like four years ago, so he really did come in as a young guy. Uh, anyway, he's only 24. That's not really the point of the, the segue here. The big news is that 
Stan Van Gundy is back in the NBA, and not just as a color commentator on broadcasts, but as a head coach. With, quite interestingly, the New Orleans Pelicans. Really interesting stuff. Um, I don't know that that was where we were all expecting him to end up, but once it happened, I think we all probably had the same reaction, which is, oh, yeah, that makes sense. The Pelicans were hunting Ty Lu, although ultimately he ended up with the Clippers. And so the the thought there is that New Orleans wanted uh, a veteran head coach because they let go a veteran head coach, but one that had a better, a keen eye on the defensive side of the basketball. And just seemingly right now, and this is sort of a weird thing to think, but it, you know, it feels like Stan Van Gundy is a coach that really does connect with his players. You wouldn't, like, and this is a total don't judge a book by its cover type of moment, but you take one look at Stan Van Gundy and you're like, that guy? But he is really attuned to what his players are thinking and feeling. And you could see, I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he shares worldviews with his players, which always is going to help a coach connect. And then, you know, he's he's a coach that, has really good relationships with his players. That's That's been something that we've seen over the years is that his guys still joke with him on the internet and seems like he keeps in touch with a lot of those guys. He maximizes what he has on the court because he gets guys that, that want to play hard for him. And then defensively, he understands what needs to happen there. And for the Pelicans, that really does have to be priority number one. I would love to see Alvin Gentry, by the way, end, does, end up, running some team's offense uh and he has so you know everything everything in its place right like uh Alvin Gentry is probably going to be running the Kings offense that's what he's been best at throughout his career he's always struggled once he got into the head coaching seat for Stan Van Gundy he was horrendous when he was making personnel decisions up in Detroit they gave him entirely too much power it's, it's an impossible task. We've seen teams try to do it before, and it it works exceedingly rare. It's It just... How do you tell someone to coach to keep their job and to plan for the future? So you're, you're actually creating a conflict of interest in one person's job. There are very few people that can succeed in that role, and the only way you can is if someone was like, look... Here's a 10-year deal. You have 10 years. You're going to be the director of personnel and the head coach. You're going to make all of our, our team roster decisions, and you're actually going to coach the team on the floor. Good luck surviving the next 10 years without a heart attack. But at least then, you know, if a coach was like, look, it's time to blow it up, you could do it. And as the head coach, you wouldn't be sabotaging your own ability to keep a job. That just doesn't work. So now he goes to New Orleans where his job is just to coach these guys, and I think he's going to be a pretty good fit. Uh, This also, by the way, puts probably an arrow through the heart of anybody that wanted their team to go get Drew Holiday. I don't think Stan Van Gundy is coming in and grabbing this job if he doesn't expect to be able to compete right away with the Pels. And the way they do compete right away is to keep their best all-around player. Trade your best player, you probably aren't going to compete as well. And it's not like they need a bunch of young assets. They are going to most likely try to re-sign Brandon Ingram. Uh, 
Lonzo Ball. They have Zion. Let's lest we forget about Zion Williamson. So you know this is this is a team that doesn't need to stockpile anything. This is a team that's already on the back end of uh, of a potential rebuild because you know call it luck or trade or whatever. Getting all those things for Anthony Davis, getting the number one pick all at the same time, it that'll that'll speed things up. That'll help you turn the corner quicker. Um, contractually, the Pelicans are getting younger. Um, Derek Favors is off the books. He had an eighteen million dollar deal. Uh, Etwan Moore is off the books. He had about a $9 million deal. J.J. Redick has one more year on his thing. My guess is that he probably does now stay put. If they were going to turn a corner and try to go younger, he would have been a guy I would have expected to get traded. I don't think that's happening now. Uh, And then let's assume Brandon Ingram sees a very large bump in salary. Darius Miller, by the way, is $7 million this coming season. is not fully guaranteed, so they could potentially wipe that off the board as well. So they have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, you know, if you, if they do sign Brandon Ingram to a longer deal, that'll probably push him back up and over the 100 mark. Drew Holiday is at 26 mil. Uh, Zion, his rookie deal is already at 10. Lonzo Ball, his rookie deal uh, is at 11. This is the final year on that thing. So they'll be worrying likely about extending him. And then they've got some young guys and guys like, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes, and, uh, and Josh Hart is around for, for one more year as well. So Stan Van Gundy comes in, and, you know, just from an expectation standpoint, this is a team that's going to be gunning for that last playoff spot in the Western Conference. I Personally, I don't think they get it. I think there are too many good teams out West. I mean, you, you know, I, I think the Thunder probably fall out if they trade away some of their pieces. The other seven teams that made the playoffs in the Western Conference there's no obvious team that would fall out. The second most likely, I think, to tumble would be the Jazz, but they were 16 games over 500 this year, and they really aren't getting worse. They're just sort of not getting better. So then you've got, if the Thunder are clearing out the eight spot, and the Blazers will obviously be better next year with health on their side, you're going to have the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Kings, the Pels, the Warriors, who probably have the the strongest case to take that spot, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a dogfight, man. So, all of these teams, I think, are aware from day one that every win is gonna be critical, because where this year it took thirty-five wins to get into the playoffs in the West in that eight spot, a healthy Blazers team pushes that number probably over five hundred. I don't think you're gonna have an under five hundred team in the playoffs in the Western Conference. And. Looking at those teams right now, you know, the Blazers would have been the only one at the end of the year. And I don't know. I mean, if they, if they played the final, what do they need? Eight more games to get to 82? They may have actually ended up getting to 500. They could have gone 6-2 and two the rest of the way. Or I don't know. They, it would have been close. But uh, Grizzlies are going to be probably pushing 500. Suns, I think, are going to be a team that is, is fighting to get to around the 500 mark. Spurs are probably going the other way. It sounds like DeMar DeRozan might want to get traded. I'm sure he's going to deny the rumors, but, you know, whatever. Kings are going to be fighting 500. Pels, Warriors with health, they should be at least a few games over 500, probably more than that. And so now, you know, if you're one of those teams that I just listed off, the Pels, the Kings, the Spurs, the Grizzlies in particular, you're looking at next year and thinking, 
there's a very real chance that all four of us are like five games out of the playoffs. So be a little bit cautious on that front, but also understand those teams are looking at the West and thinking, we're going to have to make our push. Well, let's do it. Let's get off to a quick start at least. And then if we do indeed get eliminated, let's make it a fight down the, down the end, down the stretch to the end of the year. And that's your NBA news for the day. So let's just go ahead and dump that into the rear view. And let's talk to one of my favorite human beings on planet Earth. Oh, but first, I should apologize. I said it was five minutes away. It was more like nine minutes away. Oops. I wasn't quick enough to come up with the proper buddy cop duo. So instead, I'm just going to say, do you want to say hello to everybody? Hoopballers! That's the one. (laughs) I feel like I should have a button on on my desk that I can just hit it. I need it. You know what I need? I need a soundboard for this podcast. You do. I thought I broke the last one, so I apologize if that's the reason why you don't have one now. No, I uh, I had the volume properly adjusted for you this time. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. See, you came prepared. This I time. got a Millman preset on my board now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's a Millman button. It's on like the eight, eight decibels quieter than everybody else on on the other one. How are you, man? Nice, good. How are you? Um, I don't know. Alive. For now? Yeah, that's basically it. You know, we're just every day is the hamster wheel and it just keeps on turning. Isn't it weird, though? Oh, by the way, this is Josh Millman. You guys probably know that already. It, it occurs to me we're in a part of the year now where everybody listening to this show, I'm guessing like 99.9% are people that have listened before. But you got to treat, if I learned anything from my time as a play-by-play guy, you treat every single broadcast as though people are listening for the first time. And so I say... Hello to you, to the great Josh Millman. At Josh Millman, by the way, you can find him on Twitter. An old buddy. We may secretly be related. Certainly if you go back far enough, I'm sure we have family from the same shtetl. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, isn't it weird how this year continues to be both the longest and shortest of all time? Like, I'm partly surprised it's October. I'm like, in in a way, it's like, holy crap, we made it this far. Like, yay us. Yeah, we're, well, sort of. Did we, did we make it this far? We did. We made it this far. The bubble happened. It was in, it was a great success. Uh, and uh, you Great know, success. Great, that's right. Also from the same shtetl as us. Uh, <laughs> we, we'll be talking about that here momentarily. But I guess, you know, first thing is, you, you hanging in there all right? Did you, did you enjoy the, the bubble at, at, to some degree? You know I did, so I don't need to talk about that side. Uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was you great. Did. You did especially. But what's what's not to like? It was it was basketball. It was mostly good basketball, I'd say. I mean, there was some intriguing storylines and everything like that. I was just glad that it gave us a little bit of normalcy in what has been a very abnormal year. Yeah, that's well said. It was we went from this weird fog where the only thing we had was the last dance for four straight months and then we had now we have everything all at the same time maximum sports overload and we're probably about to segue into a period where i guess it's sort of well i would say it's what it's normally is but i guess the nba would have normally been starting like now like soon yeah Yeah. this this was probably would have been week one i would have written a bold predictions column you would have gotten your hoop ball six and and all that the old men dan basper's old man squad would be the old man squad they'd be affixing tennis balls to the bottom of their walkers and getting ready to go (laughs) and instead we're talking about a season that ended a week and a half ago wild wild who'd have thunk it how's homeschool going you learning common core 
oh my god homeschooling is a nightmare if i <laughs> hoop ballers if you ever have the opportunity to homeschool your children don't don't you got no don't. choice though right no we don't i mean we have a choice but uh, you know just given health conditions and everything that we need to consider uh we yeah, have to no opt choice. our girls out for the school year so we are doing remote learning with them it's uh, again, everything that you can possibly imagine that stinks about having your kids at home and just having no patience whatsoever and your spouse having no patience whatsoever. And that old saying where the poop rolls downhill, it ends up landing on yours truly. So <laughs> that's that's the gist of homeschooling. So, again, if anyone wants to try it, you are a braver person than I am. Also kind of dumber. But hey. You know, don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah, sometimes people need to learn the lesson for themselves. Uh, this feels like one maybe folks could just take take your word for it. I, I mean, I don't, I can't even fathom. I, I'm sure there, you know, there are millions of people that are dealing with this right now. I, I guess to some degree, I'm lucky that my child is still well. There's a baby, so that's not really an issue. But the the older one over here is preschool age, and um, you know, it sucks. He misses seeing other children, but we don't have to sit him down and teach him things all day he has like a half an hour of zoom class i use that term very loosely because there's some learning involved but you know most of the day is him just romping freely and then we you know we try to get him to like trace letters at some point during the afternoon uh i i can't even imagine trying to get someone who's just a couple years older than my own child to sit and stare at a screen and learn all day when they have all of their toys like one room over that seems i dare i say impossible how, how the no, hell are it, children it's, doing it's it's not ideal i mean look it really isn't ideal i mean we've gotten into a better groove on things i think that my younger one has a better understanding of what's expected now and so like as routine becomes a little bit more normalized and in, in again, in an abnormal situation, it gets right. a little bit easier, but there's still the distraction. You know, the teacher, you know, you have Wi-Fi issues or Zoom sh- cuts out or something like that. There's always something that you just simply don't get in a normal classroom environment. So and, and but the truth of the matter is, Dan, it, I, I think there's a stress no matter what age there is in this. I, I You know, for you guys, again, it's your kids are young enough to teach them, but like. This these are the age when you have to pay attention to them the absolute most in <laughs> yeah. your shoes, you know. Yeah, and, they. And so uh... that that that's a strain on its own, you know. And and look, my older one can be off in homeschool on her own, and it's totally fine. But 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 with that comes there's a different kind of emotional stress that comes in with not seeing your friends as often, and you know, be kind of just being stuck in your house all the time, being bored to tears, and having gone through every end of Netflix and back and not know what to do with yourself. You know, it's, I mean, it's a different kind of stress, but it's just, you know, it's, it's frustrating for anyone involved, anyone with kids, really any age. Yeah. Well, regardless, Josh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. My, my, my buddy, my old buddy here at the Hoob. Um, Oh yeah. What do we, uh, what do we want to start with here? I kind of want to start with bubble thoughts and, and it's almost like a chronological thing. Did anything and this is really open-ended, so feel free to tell me to have a better question, Dan. Uh, did anything jump out at you from the bubble as, as something you could take over to next season? The answer, by the way, could could also be no. Ask a better question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, 
I don't think there was any one thing. I think Miami's run is going to be, you know, dissected most as well as as well as the the Lakers winning it just because I think we've already transitioned into you know what's going to happen this offseason and the trade rumor mill on Twitter is kind of in overdrive you know I think that you know there's going to be like every offseason is turmoil so I think that a lot of what happened in the bubble is leading to you know, again, the, the the rumor mill being on overdrive and which star is going to get traded or is anyone going to go after a big three versus, you know, the season of the big two and what's going to happen there. So I don't think the basketball in and of itself, other than, say, like, you know, Philadelphia and the Clippers having complete and total meltdowns, you know, I, I don't think that there was really any like big surprise outside of Miami for, in terms of the basketball. I mean, I'll ask you the same question. I, I mean, I think the Lakers were the odds-on favorites. They won. My, there was a surprise in the East in Miami. But what else was there that I'm missing that that you were thinking by asking me said question, sir? Well, I don't know. I You know, one something that I mentioned on a Monday, uh, the Monday show was that I, I got this. One thing that changed for me was that going into the bubble – I thought you were going to see a lot of Eastern Conference teams that were sort of middling, but maybe getting older, try to pull the plug quickly, thinking that the the Celtics, maybe the Sixers, if they could get their act together, and then certainly the Bucks were going to have this, this reign of terror, so to speak. But then we got to this bubble situation, and maybe it's bubble specific, which is why I, I want to ask you about it as well. It, it felt like the East door opened further where a team like Toronto might be like, you know what? Screw it. Let's, let's let the old guys run it back. Let's, let's re-sign Serge Ibaka. Let's let Kyle Lowry's one-year deal play out all the way. And where I thought if, you know, I think when I mentioned, I talked about it in June on this podcast, I was like, I, I think the Lowry's are probably going to, or the, uh, the Raptors are going to trade some of their old guys next year, whoever's left. Now I'm thinking these East teams aren't really afraid of anyone at the top anymore. It, it, do you think right. that impacts fantasy in any way? Like it, maybe it makes it a little bit more predictable if we think more teams in the East are going for it. I think it does make it a little more predictable. I, I think to a degree, there's got to be some stars that move, but I think it's from the you know the kind of the non-bubble teams, if you will. It's going to end up being. Look, I, I still think Beal for all the talk, I think he gets moved. That's kind of my, my bold prediction of the off season. I think Beal goes somewhere. Mm. I don't know where, but that I'll call that a bold prediction because I just think that what, one of the things that shook out is again, the Lakers won with, with LeBron and AD, but very clearly all the other teams that had these like kind of big two guys, need that third maybe fourth guy if you're talking about the Celtics to really kind of put them over the hump and so I think with in in a free agent class that isn't very strong someone is going to have to jockey for a guy and I don't know if they can overpay given the new cap and everything like that but there's a reason why the Nets are like constantly in the rumor mill for a third star because you know, if they were a, a middling team with a, you know, not really healthy Kyrie and, and Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jared Allen and all those guys, what do we, I mean, Durant's amazing, but like, does he really make them a title contender on his own? 
without them going for broke and getting a third star in there. And the same thing with the Clippers, very clearly. Not, it, it can't just be on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They need that third body in there when everything else kind of went to hell for them during the bubble. Man, did they Giannis, need a point guard. Yeah, How bad did they yeah, need a they point guard? Badly. Absolutely. Oh, God. In the worst way possible. That's why Reggie Jackson was playing. And that's a, a, a dude that man, doesn't... <laughs> a, a, a competent big man would help for them, too. You yeah. Know, but, like... I, I mean... don't know, man. Twitter has told me that Ivica Zubac is the next big thing. I don't... Twitter is crazy, man. Twitter is crazy. I mean, look, the the, the roller coaster ride that was Montrez Harrell was something on Twitter also because oh, he went from... Poor guy. He went from, like, before the bubble being one of the most disrespected players in the planet to in the bubble being like, oh, my God, who's going to pay this guy? After all this. Meanwhile, he's like going through a horrible family tragedy. I know. I like- I, and it's and it stinks to have to say because I know that had a lot to do with it. And that that's the other. You know what? You want to talk about takeaways? Yeah. A big thing of this bubble is how much it humanized a lot of these guys. And I think we have our fun on Twitter. And I we mock the Clippers now and, and way off P. But my <laughs> God, some, some of like what these guys go through from a mental health standpoint year in and year out. Let's put aside the pandemic and, and, and the social issues that were happening this year. It must have been so brutal for some of these guys to be away from their family and friends and, and, and home lives for so long and to have experienced what they experienced. And it's, it's next to impossible to put yourself in, in their shoes. So, yes, we like to mock and say this guy stinks or this guy that, you know, that uh, – the humanity behind it, it was really illuminating for me in all of it. It was uh, it was really interesting, and it, it didn't occur to me until the playoffs ended that those guys that made the finals, at least, had been there for a hundred days. It's a long, yeah, That's man. a long time. I know they had some pretty sweet amenities, and I think Rick Buecher, who's now... Remember when that guy was a journalist? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Do you, yeah, that was a long time. That was a long time. We were time. watching Disney Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, it was a... Uh, God, he, he was ABC at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, Doesn't long matter. time. I think ABC, ESPN. Yeah. Woof. Anyway, I know he's he's hot take city these days. Um, and one of his hot takes was, "Hey, it's not that bad. They've got all these sweet amenities." And there's some truth to that. I know he's just trying to get a rise out of people because, as someone who worked in minor league baseball, you can kind of picture the bubble. But for me, just you know, put it in Bakersfield without mm-hmm. a five star hotel. I you know, I shared an apartment with some of the guys I worked with, and so you had that camaraderie. But I didn't. I didn't see my family for a couple months at a time, and it's hard as hell. And I wasn't being—I didn't get death threats on Twitter during my time in minor league baseball. No, which I know the, it, these it's, guys it's, do. No, yeah. anyone who says that, like you, you uproot your normalcy for a week or two, and even that's hard. You know, I look—I've been on work trips where I've stayed in some of the nicest hotels, but oh, after a week. You're just like, I'm tired of seeing the same crap over and over again. I want to go back home. Yeah, I know? want my stuff. I want my things I want my that stu- yeah, not exactly. two suitcases. I want my normalcy back. That's what I think a lot of people overlook that part. You're living out of a couple of suitcases for 100 days. You don't have your whole house transplanted right. to the bubble. You don't have all your the, your actual comforts. You have, yeah, there's a barber and they had pool tables and stuff like that. But it's like, look, I want my couch. Right. My bed. My, my couch. Bed. My television. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and doing little things like, hey, I'm going to I want to take a drive, maybe walk in the park or go to the grocery store. Yeah, I was going to say, walk to something. my kitchen and open my refrigerator. Right. <laughs> Not you know, the things little we one. take for granted. 
This is, and that's like all we have during the year of the pandemic is that those casual home amenities, and they oh, didn't. For sure. So yeah, and and that's maybe part of why. Maybe that, like you said, maybe that's the big takeaway is that we saw this this sort of humanizing of players, but also it creates weird opportunities psychologically for teams going into next year, where the Clippers, you know, yes, they had a change at the top of their coaching staff, but it'd be pretty easy for them, a lot of those guys, to just sort of write this year off as a year where half the team didn't want to be in the bubble. Like, they could just forget about it. They doesn't need to be, yeah. they don't need to be mad or upset. They could just be like, all right, let's, let's, you know, let's see how this goes when we get to play our home games at Staples. Let's see how this goes when Lou Williams and if Montrez re-signs and whoever else. Yep. Let's see how this goes if our players actually want to be here for a playoff thing. Uh, same thing in the Eastern Conference. I think a lot of teams looked at that and thought, like we could, if these teams can do it, we can do it. Uh, and so that's what makes me wonder. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this full circle to you talking about Bradley Beal. Um, how do they, like, how do they move him knowing they almost definitely can't move John Wall? Don't you just have I, to try at this point yeah, because you're sort I mean, of you stuck? Kind of, ha- yeah. I think that's the thing is you have to try. I, I I mean, what are they do? They made it to the bubble only because of the weird work (laughs) that that Adam Silver put in that there was going to be 12 teams or or in in the West. So we can't not give the Eastern Conference a chance, even though the Wizards were already mathematically dead in all of this. Yeah, the Zion rule. It was the Zion rule. Yeah, it it was the Zion rule. So when when you add it all together, like the, the, the Wizards weren't anywhere near playoff contention. And they would have been a lottery team had the season gone on as normal. So I don't know how, like, I don't think it's a matter of them, hey, running back, because they got to also sign Davis Bertans. And yeah, they've got Bryant and, and Hashimura. There's building blocks there, but what, I mean, what is that running it back get them? I don't know. Are they better 30, than 30, 30 wins, 35 wins? That's what I, I was going to ask. Are they better than Orlando with John Wall healthy? I think Orlando's another team that's got to sell. <laughs> yeah, I'm, dude, they've been needing to sell a long time. Yeah, they got to sell. But I no, I, I think that Orlando, even let's just say if Orlando runs it back, Orlando's a better team than Washington. What and, about with John Wall? Yeah, because we don't really know what he's going to be like either. Right. What about the Bulls now that Jim Boylan's gone? Him leaving has to be worth three or four extra wins. I think so. I think so. That's a team that, to me, I think will be on the rise. Whether or not they figure out a way to get Zach Levine off the roster, that's a good young core, and they just really need to get uh, Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. healthy and keep them on the floor together. I think Kobe White's a good young scoring guard. I, I mean, I still think there's a bit of point guard maturation that needs to happen there. I think Chris Dunn was quietly a very good player for them. And I think we all just kind of gave up on him, um, you know, during his early years, I, I think with Minnesota, he was at, you know, where he wasn't, uh, wasn't any good, but you know, he, he was a solid defensive player. Yeah. I was going to say, he's the only guy I, on that team that played any defense. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a solid defensive player. And, you know, I think that they're the makings of a decent team there. Um, and I think Billy Donovan is an excellent coach. So I think that, that, yeah, for sure, three, four, five wins easily. I think that's a team that could knock on, you know, the playoff door because they have some youth and because they just need someone to really kind of, you know, not be a tyrant, but actually be a basketball coach for that team. <laughs> not, it was 
Oh my god, <laughs> Jim Boylan. Um, yeah, I know. Let me uh, let's talk about a few of these other teams out east, actually, because the the Eastern Conference and rightly at times gets overlooked. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to potentially fight for the last playoff seed that probably don't really deserve to be in the playoffs. But let's let's go through a few of those clubs here and see what yeah. we make of them. Um, we we talked a little bit Magic. We talked the Wizards a little. We talked Bulls a little. What do we think happens with Charlotte next year? They were. I don't know. I guess you could say they overachieved a little bit by winning 35% of their games, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I feel like they overachieved early. That they must they hit some sort of really brutal streak come January. I think they lost like like 17 of 18 or something like that during their during this. I, I could be making that up. But I, I remember like they came out firing because everyone's like, oh, who's this Devontae Graham guy? And hey, Rozier, maybe not that bad. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that they will be sort of on the upswing, but not really uh, because of that Rozier contract's not good. They, they still have to pay Cody Zeller like $15 million, um, uh, you know, but I think that they have a decent amount of guard slash wing players to fool around with, but they have some really glaring holes. I think having the third pick, in this draft helps. I know it's a weak draft, but at least they don't have to make the, like that decision at number one and potentially whiff on that. Because if a guy like Wiseman falls to them at three, I mean, that that's kind of a gift, you know, for, for these guys, I think that they can make like little incremental signings and grow together a bit, but I don't think that they're like ready to make that playoff leap. By the way, I the magic of the internet is that I was able to look up their schedule while you were talking. They did lose 13 out of 14 games. Between 13 out of 4. I was, damn, I was yeah, close. Yeah, that was pretty damn close. January 6th yeah. through February 8th, basically a month, yeah. uh, 1 See, and 13. See, my memory, my, I may be old, but my memory isn't failing. See? And actually, if you go back a little bit farther, they um, they were 2 and 6 in the 8 games before that run. So it was not great for them. What did I? What is that, no. 3 and 19? Over 22 oh. games? Is that what I'm... Am I getting yeah, that number Yeah, that's ugly. Right? That's not great. Um, we'll work our way up the list here since, you know, these are a little bit of dregs teams. I'm going to jump over the Nets because you talked about them a little bit already oh, and yes. I want to loop back oh, around. I have a lot to say about the Nets. Yeah, I think, ahead, we'll I think we'll close with Brooklyn on this one. Fair enough. What about the Sixers? Because they, to me, represent maybe the greatest anomaly in basketball history. 31-4 and four at home, the best record in the NBA, 12 and 26 on the road. The Hornets were better on the road than the 76ers were this year. That we just talked about. The the godforsaken Charlotte Hornets. Um they they've got Doc Rivers at the helm now. Uh fresh off a, a Clippers meltdown. It's it's sort of weird like are they going to be trying to change their look? I still looked at this Sixers team and thought this is a team that could actually be serious trouble for the rest of the East if they could just knock down a shot and then they lost Ben Simmons. And so that sort of went up in flames, but you know, they, like they were, they battled with the Celtics every game of that series without e- arguably easily their second best player. Do they now have the confidence to just kind of run it back? Or are they going to, are we going to see wholesale changes out there? 31 and four. I don't care how bad you are on the road and, and how weird you looked in the bubble. 31 and four is insane. Yeah, I, I actually thought going into like if you would have asked me this an hour ago, I would have told you someone needs to go. But now that I'm thinking about it, I said I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they got to they got to try one more time because 
I think just having Doc in there will be a positive influence. Yeah, Simmons was hurt, you know, during the bubble and stuff. But they, but they're not going to have much of a choice, but to figure out some way to be a cohesive unit, because those the Tobias Harris and Al Horford salaries are, are, are pretty much dead money, especially Horford, I, right? Yeah, d- dead money. I, I I think Horford is. I hate saying this because he's he's washed. I, I mean, I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of value he brings on this team. If you get like you don't pay someone that kind of money to come off the bench for 20, 25 minutes, give you some rebounds and some decent defense. That's not what a guy you're, you're, you're paying like 20, 27 something million dollars a year should be doing. You, that guy's got to put you over the top. And at age 34, 35 years old. That I don't that 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 that's not happening. That's not happening. They were completely misfit together, him and Embiid. It's it's going to be a struggle for them. But I don't think that they should be doing anything rash because, like you said, there was they were a very Jekyll and Hyde team, and we don't know what was happening in that locker room that really caused that, which was so bizarre to me. You know, but like they they have to try. They need a shooter so so badly to come off their bench and get hot and they just could never find the right combination but i would imagine that they're going to run it back if for no other reason then they're going to really struggle to get either the the value they want back for ben simmons or to extract any value on tobias harris or al horford there is hope i've heard that uh, Tobias Harris, who had his best years with Doc Rivers, might be able to find some of that under him here. But yeah, he's making uh, $33.5 million this coming season. The, the 76ers salary situation, they're at $147 million for this coming season already. Uh, that is with, in, in fact, here's sort of your funny note on them. Their eight most expensive players uh, are signed already. None of them. Yeah. None of them was an expiring contract, and the five most expensive players are actually signed the following year. So there, uh, this team is on the hook for over 140 million dollars for the next two seasons already, and they're already listed at 139 million for 2022, 2023. That's with Simmons, Embiid, Horford, uh, whose salary that year is non-guaranteed, so that'll probably get knocked off, I guess. And then Tobias Harris. I mean, they're, they're really Ben Simmons is signed for a decade. On that team. I think he signed through 2025, Wild. right? Yes. Yes, he is. Good gravy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there, there really isn't a whole lot they can do. Still, I think they should have confidence. Like, they, they showed that they can beat any team in the NBA when they're actually focused and healthy. I think, yeah. It, right? they got to figure out how to get themselves playing as a single unit. I, I, again, I, I think that the... That, that, God, I wish Ben Simmons could shoot the ball, but that's not really realistic at this point. But I think that they've shown that they can be an explosive offense and a really, really good defensive team. I just think that they need to kind of get a better handle on everyone's roles and responsibilities. You know, I'm hoping that they can put the bubble behind them because really these guys are they're all veterans at this point. They'll be able to kind of put that, put all that behind them and, and trudge forward because, again, and we kept saying that. I remember I was on a pod with you going into the bubble. These guys were one shot away from knocking off the champions yep. over a year ago. One single shot. 
So it stands to reason that this team, even with a, a, a Horford, who I think is probably a net negative at this point, and it's Tobias Harris, that they should be able to theoretically get it back. Theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What about the Pacers? Working my way up the list. I jumped over the heat, by the way, and I don't know why I did. Maybe we'll we'll get them in a second. Pacers made a coaching change. I didn't fully understand that one. I did didn't you? understand it no? either. Yeah. No, I, I really didn't understand what was happening. I yet. heard offensive I... creativity was the issue, but also they didn't have Demonis Sabonis in the bubble. Yeah, that, that's hard. Sabonis had such a great year, and not having him in the bubble was... And Depot know, the, was hurt. Depot was hurt. I... I I think that this is a team in flux. And if I had to guess, I actually saw a pretty nifty trade idea floating around Twitter. Miles uh, uh, Turner going to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday. Um, th- and you could probably figure out a way to match salaries and whatever else. But, you know, New Orleans needs a good stretch five and, and defensive player. Turner kind of fits that bill. I don't think that at this point Turner is going to be that guy that he was in his second year playing alongside Sabonis. They need to be able to build around uh, Sabonis and bring in Drew Holiday. If if you are intending on moving Oladipo at this point, let him play with his brothers. He can play alongside uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I would think, almost perfectly and see where you go. If you want to play that kind of up-tempo basketball, I I mean, that might be the team to do it. I mean, that's just all speculation at this point. But Hmm. I I would think that there's going to be somewhat of a facelift on the Pacers. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Do you get the feeling that there's something front office going on there why, why like why does why does depot want understand out understand that i really don't understand that Do, depot wants out badly uh, which seems McMillan, crazy yeah for mcmillan to be you know kicked aside like i mean a widely respected and successful coach i don't think anyone ever gives the pacers year in and year out a chance to do much and and he always has this team winning salt playing solid basketball and winning good games so i i don't see how you can hold you know, three weeks of basketball without one of your best players and, and another one of your best players at like half speed and see that as an indictment on your abilities to be a head coach without there being some sort of behind the scene nonsense at play. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Um, Celtics Raptors, can we lump them into one discussion here? Uh, sure. Toronto has... Serge Ibaka, Marcus Soul are sort of your your notable free agent. I think Gasol's already said he's playing yeah, overseas. He's saying, yeah. um, Celtics basically don't have any free agents. I think Ennis Cantor is has a player option or something like that. Gordon Hayward well, might also. Hayward's have a, yeah, Hayward's got his option. I think, but he's got to be he's going to take thirty million dollars, right? Yeah, he's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to come back. So both of these teams are a little bit. Uh, locked in for the Raptors I guess the question is do they bring back a veteran big man or do they start to pivot towards going a little bit younger and for the Celtics is there anything they can do but you've got to think both of these teams feel like in the east now they see a very clear path to the championship because no one's afraid of the Bucks anymore yeah no one's afraid of the Bucks I, I I think that the Celtics have the much better case at this point to if they can bring in another like couple of guys, I, I, they need to get help for Tice in the in the middle, uh, and maybe Robert Williams is that guy, the Time Lord, but maybe he's not. I don't know. 
you know, he, he, I mean, he played, look, he had a pretty decent bubble at times, but I don't know, like, is, is that really going to be, you know, your, your salvation in the middle there? But obviously like, look, Tatum is on his way to superstardom. Jalen Brown for all of his fantasy faults. I think he's one of those guys who's just better basketball player in reality than he is in fantasy. And, you know, I, I think another question is what happens with, you know, with eh, Hayward will be back. But I guess, like, you know, if, if Mar- Marcus Smart ends up sticking around, I saw his name in rumor mills, um, you know, and Kemba Walker, you know, he did, he was kind of banged up going into the bubble also. So I don't know that we necessarily got the best of him. So I would imagine that Boston, with a few additional pieces, if they can get their hands on him, are probably outside of Giannis, like the, the main threats in the East. And I even, I don't even say that disparagingly to the heat, the heat caught fire, but I would imagine that the Celtics, like who came closest to knocking them off are, are, I would say the biggest threats to come out of the East. I'm still pretty amazed that the Celtics didn't win that series. I thought that was going to be the one where the heat finally had sort of, they met their match schematically, but they, they figured it out anyway. Give Miami a ton yep. of credit. Every, no, no, every step. Yeah, absolutely. Every step, they figured it out. Um, all right, last couple teams in the East. You know, the, the Bucs. Man, we hear all these things about them needing to change stuff, but it really feels like all they need to do is make a damn game plan for when teams pack the paint. So I don't I know. Like, they don't need a bunch of different players. They just need no. a damn game plan. You know, the thing is, they're going to win 50-something games, assuming a normal season with their eyes closed. Yeah. And it's like, all right, just get them some, you know, again, all you need is a couple more pieces for Giannis and Middleton and Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez, because that's as good as a, a, a four-man rotation there as you can possibly have in basketball. Just get them some help. Get them some, uh, you know, like if, if these veterans aren't working, go get some new veterans. I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> of ring chasers out there who will want to play with Giannis. And the Bucks know that this is it. They, they, they've got to load up. This is their window. So they, they either got to win or who the hell knows what's going to happen in, in the 2021 offseason with Giannis. But I, I think that they're going to push their chips all in. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know who they're going to trade for. But, like, I, I have to imagine that, you know, they're probably looking at Chris Paul's the name that keeps coming up. You know, he I'm sure he wants to play with the Lakers, but I think he makes so much sense on this team. But I just don't know, like, how it's going to happen, who they'd give up in this in that scenario. Um, but the, the, Milwaukee has to try. They have to. Yeah. How did they not? How for? OK, how does Coach Bud still have a job and how did they not? Know. How did they not have a plan for the exact thing that knocked them out of the playoffs the previous year? It's kind of wild just how stubborn he is so about it. just like this is the system we've been in all season and you know hey this is what's worked for us we're just going to keep doing it and we're just you know just the deployment on like hey we're just either going to a pack the paint or just b we're going to stop Giannis from getting ahead of steam and force it you know force him to give up the ball and just dare anyone else to beat us it's just i i just don't think it's it's I will say that Giannis, Giannis did get like a little bit banged up towards the end of yeah Heat series, so I don't think it would have made a difference any which way. But you know, I, I think that going to give 
Bud the benefit of the doubt for the last two seasons and just say like, hey, it was extenuating circumstances that really led to our downfalls the last two years. The year one, it was Kawhi. Year two, it was just the bubble and it was just kind of a disaster. You know, so maybe that's the line of thinking there. And they bring in, again, just that's enough to put him over the top. I don't really know, but they, they're going to have to go for it. Is the, is next year going to be kind of a letdown year for Miami? Was this as good as it gets with this particular roster? I know they're going to be in the running for free agents in twenty at the end of the 2022. What the hell am I thinking about here? Yeah. <laughs> this next at the I mean, end of this season, 2021. Sorry, I can get these they years should right. Have money this and next season. I, I I think that they'll try to make. I don't think the windows necessarily close. I just don't think that they can get Bubble Jimmy for what they for what they do over the course of a normal regular season. I don't think that's realistic at all. Right. I think Jimmy Butler just realized, you know, what this is this is probably my best chance. And I need to make it happen. And but I also don't think that Bam Adebayo is done developing by any means. So it's offset, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that there's a reason why, in under normal circumstances, that Miami was kind of a you know upper forty-ish, low fifty-ish win team versus the one that we saw in the bubble that was just like dominating and just throwing caution to the wind and you know look i love the depth on the team but there's going to be some question with, as to whether or not who's back with them whether or not it's you know Dragic yeah, or he's Jake crowder who they brought in and you know just like like is hero just you know kind of like your your is he a showpiece or is he a le- legitimate you know, cog in the wheel. I, I, I don't really know. Like, are, are, are we really going to give Andre Iguodala serious minutes because he's owed another $15 million this season? So, uh, you know, there's still a lot of moving pieces. I, I still see them at the end of the day as kind of like, like that three, four seed in the East, which I think is kind of normal. But I think, you know, look, we, we've seen Jimmy Butler on the fantasy side, but the risk with him always is, well, he's going to miss a whole bunch of games during the regular season. Yep. So I like, I don't know how you play 45, 48 minutes, just absolute like a madman and not have that wear on you in the following season. He's going to miss a, a bunch of games just because that's what Jimmy Butler does. And he's not getting any younger. Yeah. It's doubly. So here in this one, I, I completely agree with you on that one. All right. Give me your breakdown on the Brooklyn nets this coming year. How does this go? How good is Kevin Durant? Is he, is he back? Is he mostly back? Uh, is Kyrie going to be super weird all year? Do they get a third superstar? Do they roll it out with the guys they've got? Where do they end up? Give me your full Nets breakdown, and then I'll let you get back to um, learning homeschooling. Learning homeschooling? Yeah, yeah, that means we'll have to come back and do the Western Conference. you damn right. Time. Oh, yes. I have figured out how to weasel my way back on your pod. <laughs> Doing talking so that I don't have to do talking yes, is really it's the I way. I love it. Yeah. I love it. The Brooklyn Nets are, on paper, contenders for the East. I think Kevin Durant is is good. At least that's what all the reports are saying. And I believe it. I just think that Kevin Durant just didn't all of a sudden forget how to play basketball, even though he's really hasn't played professionally in the past, what, like two years now? I, I have to imagine that the extra time off can only do benefits for him 
but he's played in all those like Twitter like video scrimmage scrimmages and stuff like that. And all the reports are, are very good. I think Kyrie, like we said, you know, when we were planning for this year, last year was kind of a wash for Kyrie. If he's great, great. Okay, this was all about this year. They have to know that if like on paper, they need that third guy compete with Boston to compete with Milwaukee and they see what it what it's going to take to eventually knock off the Lakers. This is their window right now. So depth is nice. And guys like Torian Prince and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen, those guys are all good. Okay, but when you have a guy like maybe it's Brad Beal, maybe it's Drew Holiday, maybe it's, I don't know, Victor Oladipo, if you want to classify him in that caliber of class, stars still win this league. And I think that, you know, there's half this half of Nets Twitter camp is and no, Karis Levert's this star. Uh, No, we would rather have like, you know, eight or nine guys deep. I'm in the camp of like. You've got two years to win this now. And if there are stars that are going to be available in the trademark, you had damn well better go get one. Because if you can add that third superstar to the Brooklyn Nets, then you have to do it. That's that. That's my hot take on my Brooklyn Nets that I think they will get and land a big fish to play alongside Durant and, and Kyrie. And they know that they've got two years to make that happen with that third star. All right. Next time, we'll go west. Why the hell not, right? Why the I hell love not? shooting the breeze with you. Let's go. I need to come west. You need, you, I, yeah, you do need to come west. I do need to come west. <laughs> Get your ass out here when flying is safe again. <laughs> Who uh, knows when that'll be, but oh eventually. Boy. Onward and upward. He is the great Josh Millman, the pioneer of all hoop ball screams. At Josh Momenod. Sorry, I talked over half of it. Well, people oh, get it. stop. Don't worry about it. They, they hear enough of me. <laughs> never. Never get enough. Get used to my screaming people. <laughs> They're not now. They never will be. Uh, he's Josh. I'm Dan. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll be back with you on Monday, our next episode of Fantasy NBA Today. A hoop ball. A hoop ball presentation. You can follow Josh on Twitter. If you can spell his name, you can find him. Same deal for me. We'll talk to you then. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.